Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 32 of the New Slang Podcast. I'm Thomas Mooney, your editor-in-chief of New Slang here in Lubbock and uh, podcast host, I guess. Um, on episode number 32, we meet with Gordy Quist and Ed Jordy of the Band of Heathens. They were, uh, we were really fortunate to get them on to the podcast this past week. It was kind of a, uh, not necessarily last minute kind of deal, but it was one of these things where, you know, they're playing at the Cactus Theater here in Lubbock and, uh, we we just weren't really sure if we were going to be able to fit it in to their afternoon schedule. Uh, thankfully though, we were able to get a, a short little interview done. It's about 20 minutes. You know, they just released their, I guess, their fifth studio record now. Uh, I know they have like three three live records in there as well, but uh, their fifth studio record, Duende, came out in January, like mid-January. And, um, you know, I've been playing that record for, I guess, since then. I think it's one of the best records so far in this early year. And, uh, you know, it'll probably be up there near the top come end of 2017 as well uh i went ahead and bought it on vinyl and you know i think like the record was already a really it had a lot of these worn textures and tones to it and on vinyl i know i'm gonna sound like one of those guys who says you know vinyl's better than mp3 and cd and eight track and whatnot um but you know the warmth of the record comes out so much better on on vinyl uh so I, I encourage you to go ahead and buy that record if you don't already have it. We'll throw a link into the, I guess, the description here. Um, yeah, anyways. All right, so I say this like every week. Um, if you don't follow New Slang on all the social media, go ahead and do so. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram and on Twitter, you can... Just search for underscore new slang on Facebook. You can just search new slang, two words, and uh, we should pop up near the top. Uh, if you haven't reviewed or rated the uh, new slang podcast on iTunes, go ahead and do so. Um, it really does help. It uh, It's the whole analytical aspect of iTunes. It pushes us further to the top, which is always a good thing. So if you haven't done so, go ahead and do all that. We're going to get on to the conversation with Band of Heathens. Hey, you guys just put out a new record. Um, to me, like that new record, it, it has a whole lot of these uh, like Beatles vibes. Is that like something that you guys were going for, like in a way? Like it, it has a lot of those like that late 60s, early 70s, just those rich tones, kind of like in a Beatles country yeah. way. Um, you know, I, I'm i a huge Beatles fan. That's kind of what I grew up on. My parents were really into the Beatles. And um, I think that... Uh, you can the, just jump in. Yeah. Hey, Ed. Um, yeah, you know, the Beatles are obviously a huge influence on pretty much all music going on. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we, we love the Beatles... I think the textures and the tones you're talking about, we recorded a lot of the record at this studio um, with 
pretty much the same a lot of the same preamps and compressors like the Fairchild compressor that they had at Abbey Road a, lo mm -hmm. a lot of very similar gear um, we were using so that might be where some of the similar tones come in yeah um, and uh, and then you know just like you know some of the core changes and harmonies we love are we're definitely influenced by all sorts of music and the Beatles definitely a, a heavy influence yeah I think like the the last record is a lot a lot warmer than I think anything you guys have done before. Uh, it just feels really warm overall. Um, and also, like, there's a little—I can't remember what song it was—but it kind of rem reminded me of like a of, of like the zombies or something. A lot of the like the harmony that you guys are talking because obviously you guys have been doing the harmonies for a long time. But like those—I don't know—like on this record, I felt like it's just a little bit warmer, a little yeah. bit richer. Yeah, you know, uh, I think a lot of that comes from tubes. You know, mm -hmm. the gear we used, it was uh, almost all tube preamps. And then when it was mixed, everything was pretty much run through more tube preamps and, uh, and tube compressors. And so uh, I think that's where you kind of get some of that, the fat, warm sounds that, mm -hmm. that I love um, that make a record sound really rich. Yeah. You know, I, I've done a bunch, done some records on tape, even on two inch tape. And I feel like the tubes can almost warm up the record more than going to tape you know you can do a record digitally if you're using a bunch of tube pre's and tube compressors on the front end and you know tube microphones so i don't know yeah there's probably uh i don't know how many tubes were used in the making of the record but it was a lot pound for pound more more tubes on this record than any record we've made before yeah pound yeah. for pound we'll put our record up against any record with the amount of tubes that were used in the record <laughs> tubes all, all everything was tubed yeah uh is that something like like you guys are thinking about when you're writing the song like when you're writing a song and it, at the very beginning of the process are you guys thinking about what you're going to do to it later or are you just writing the song sometimes it just depends on the kind of song you know i mean mm -hmm. the thing about songwriting is there's so many songs that just that die that never really like ever leave your room um and in a weird way some of those have been my favorite but i, I don't know if the, you know what i mean but just just in terms of like being a good thing, being a therapeutic thing, or being a thing that was a good, you know, just a good exercise to get to wherever I needed to get to next. Um, but some of the songs, as you're writing them, you can you kind of can start to hear things in your head, and then some songs, you know, you know, some songs live perfectly on just a guitar and a voice, or a piano mm -hmm. and a voice, or something like that, you know. Yeah. You know, there's one song on the record called "Daddy Long Legs," that was written before we went into the studio. But I will say some of the tones that uh, our engineer, Jim Ballantyne, that he was pulling up as we were making it, uh, I would say that those tones definitely shaped the way the band played. And the parts that we came up were heavily influenced by the sounds that were coming out. It was like, oh, wow, this fuzzy, you know, this fuzz part is really cool. And then that would inspire the part. Yeah. Um, Ed's vocal performance on that track. Um, you know, he just cranked the pre and made it really distort and, and uh, kind of made it fuzzy. And I think that changed the way he sang it. And so those sounds, you know, they don't, they're not always in your head when you're writing the songs, but I think they do shape the, the parts that we play in the moment because that's what you're hearing back. Mm -hmm. And also, does it have an effect just because, like, you guys have been in the same band with, with one another for a long time? So, like, you guys are able to maybe have the idea of like what the band sounds like you understand what i'm saying like writing more towards like 
the the sound of the band versus like uh, I don't know like what you think the song should yeah I, don't know. I think some of that but I also think that um whatever you we bring in material wise kind of becomes that anyway so you, yeah I think what we've been trying to do the last couple of records we made is sort of not pre-plan that too much you know most of the time when we're in the studio um the most anyone's heard would be like a rough demo an acoustic demo if they've even heard that a lot of times the first time anyone's hearing the song is when we're you know we set up in the morning we're like hey we're going to track this song check it out so mm -hmm. it's sort of i think with recording you want to try to get a lot of your first instincts especially with our band everyone's very familiar with each other so i think that's sort of adding a little bit of ele element of surprise is where a lot of the cool stuff comes but we still have the foundation of having played together for so long yeah but it's not you know so all over the place that we can't sort of yeah get a pulse on it and rein it in you does know? it keep you keep each other on the, on your toes in a way right keep it fresh interesting totally. yeah um, we got to yeah well i mean like how many records are you guys in now like six seven this is our seven, fifth like studio fifth? and then if you include the live records yeah. that's maybe eight yeah the, the the double one that you guys did uh where it was like with the dvd and everything like how much work went into actually doing all of that because it feels like you know it's one thing to cut a, a live record but then it's entirely different thing to do a live dvd on it's, top of it's it it's as much as doing i mean besides the fact that it wasn't new material per se mm -hmm. everything about that entailed just as much work as making the studio record now that record's totally live you know it's not like we went back into overdubs and stuff on it but just like going back through listening to everything so we recorded two like two three hour shows so it was like yeah. six hours of music going back through that calling the performances and then like you said the dvd thing was the whole i mean i guess when me and gordy sort of set out to do this it just started the project got bigger and bigger and then you know it's like so you get through the audio stuff okay that's cool now with the performances we have we've got to look at the video that we have make sure we're getting the right shots you want in the video make sure we don't look like idiots yeah <laughs> well which is tough to do you know so is that yeah man it was a lot of work you know and and it's like making a re it's like just like making a record you know yeah um it was it was also like our our manager helped a ton because <clears throat> not only did we do those two nights at cervantes in denver but we made a whole weekend of it we called it the double down mm -hmm. and so kind of for all the people who bought the travel packages and flew in we did these private acoustic shows we had a poker tournament we we did um we had a contest where the fans got to vote on a cover set like pick a band that will cover a bunch of songs and do a set yeah. of their music and we did a grateful dead set um we had a fan write one of our set lists of our original material one of the nights like so there were actually like not just us worrying about you know what songs are we going to play in the performances but it was like a whole weekend of events and mm -hmm. it was really fun but yeah it was it was yeah. probably in hindsight had we known how much work it was going to be i don't know that we would have done it but it was really fun it, mm -hmm. it turned out really great yeah uh see that's one of my favorite questions is the if you're going to do a like a an album all the way through of someone else's material maybe it's going to be grateful dead uh like what what record is there like if you guys were doing like a show like tonight at the cactus in that like that kind of setting that if you just were going to well, play through like an entire record of someone else's we just did we just covered harvest by neil young around new year's time mm -hmm. um but actually in in the cactus that would actually be a good record to do you know um and it's funny because whenever we talk about this you start 
a lot of the records that everyone loves, we don't realize that how much of the records are down tempo. Yeah. And, you know, playing a live show is different than making a record. You know, it's sort of there's got to be a different pacing and a flow to the show, which a lot of times an album in your house or with a handful of people listening to it makes for a really good listening environment. But you get a lot of people in a room and there's a certain energy and a buzz in a room. It's like, you know, three or four ballads in a row or a solo piano number and solo acoustic number next to each other. It's sort yeah. of like, it's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's tough. So it's interesting because uh, there, aren't, there aren't a ton of records that make a lot of sense front to back to that work like that. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I always kind of cate- categorize records as like Saturday night records or Sunday morning sure. records, you know, and it very much is that where, you know, you throw on a, a record on Sunday morning and it just works a whole lot better because it's a lot more mellow. But then you try playing that on a Saturday night straight through. <laughs> of course, like you guys also, like you're doing like a lot more theater shows like this now where, you know, the crowd's paying attention a little bit more. Uh, is that something like when you guys first started doing that more, uh, a little weird, just like people actually listening and You know, our first, taste, our first taste of doing shows like that was going to Europe because in, uh, in Europe it seems like the audience is much more attentive and mm-hmm. listening to lyrics. And after the show, they come up and ask you about lines and English isn't even, you know, their first language yeah. at the time. And uh, maybe that's the reason why they're listening so intently. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. It's nice. It's awesome. when I mean, a, a fun rock and roll show when the crowd's really, you know, jamming and partying. Those are really fun too. They're yeah. There's kind of two different things. And then you know, a theater, a seated theater show is really nice. You kind of get to, you know, kind of give it more of the. You can get away with the Sunday morning vibe. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more, which is a nice change up. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like here in Texas, I think like you have a, a good dose of both. Obviously, there's a lot more bar venues here. But, uh, you know, some of my favorite shows that I've seen have been the ones where you're just sitting down, you know. I wish, like, there was more places like that here in Lubbock. I mean, like, we have, like, the Cactus, and there's, like, really the only other place is City Bank, which is pretty bigger, pretty much bigger. And then there's, you know, the United Spirits or Spirit Arena where, you know, tech basketball games and shit. So there's not a whole lot of room to just move up. A yeah, bigger well, spot. It's like, um, I think, you know, in the, the traditional sense of the music, like a lot of the country stuff, you know, was was ballroom and barroom based, you mm-hmm. know, um, so like sort of almost substituting for the jukebox. You know what I mean? It's like songs had to be played that people could dance to and people could drink to. Yeah. You know, so we certainly uh, at different points in our career fulfilled that, you know, but I, I also feel like just the design of the band has also always sort of been set up to end up in more into theater setting where you can like you can get loud and play harder and faster but also like you know you're you're in a listening space where you can pull back and and do those things that you know that's definitely something we enjoy doing kind of having yeah both elements of that in the show you know yeah you know they uh obviously like big old cotton clubs used to be the big thing with you know western swing bands going through with I don't even know how many people, you know, seven, eight, nine people in a band. And uh, I was reading an article about how, you know, I guess mid-70s when the outlaw country thing started really going through Texas, uh, you know, there'd be these big old stages with, you know, like Waylon Jennings, just like a four-piece, and they'd just be all spread out, you know, and just taking up the entire room because it's something they had never been used to doing, you know. And uh, 
like how gradually they just were like fuck it we're gonna just kind of be close together because we don't know anything else then yeah i mean the music is uh that music and in like even what we do in a different extent it's it's reliant on being able to hear what everyone's doing you know we're not up there just playing the same stuff every night mm-hmm. in the same instance like it really um our show sort of requires the audience to be to participate and not in a way where it's like come on everybody yeah let's all do the same thing at the same time but in a way where it's like you know like there's dynamic shifts there's there's changes in the, the show which sort of you know benefit from the audience reacting to those things you know yeah so you guys aren't really into the uh Everybody start clapping on the song, like every song. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. Uh, side story. I saw Justin Towns Earl at Cactus one time. It's probably like three or four years back. And it was full band. And, you know, the band goes off to the side and he's playing an acoustic song. And somebody starts trying to do that, start up a clap. And he says, uh, like, in between verse and choruses, like, hey, if you guys uh, don't mind, would you just stop doing that? And then, man, or they start, they keep on doing it, laughing it off. And he's like, no, I'm serious. And then, like, continues to play. And then after the song ends, he's like, yeah, I'm not really into that kind of shit. Because um, really, if I wanted there to be clapping on the song, I would have hired you guys. And, like, people were just like, oh, my God. You know, like, <laughs> which I was just like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, someone tells them to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty awesome. He's, he's pretty fantastic, too. <laughs> just brutally honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, sometimes it's got to be like that. Yeah. Have you guys had any... I don't mind people clapping as long as they clap on the two and four. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Not on the one and three. None of that waltz. <laughs> yeah. I remember in... I guess I was like in junior high uh, in football. We would do this clap up before the uh, the games. Started out real slow. Gradually get faster. And there's this one kid who was just like always throwing us off. So our t- our coach was just like, just do this right here. Just Yeah. No, no, no! Don't, don't touch the hands. Just yeah. go like that. Yeah, air <laughs> clapping. Yeah, it wasn't me, even though I have like really bad rhythm too. So, <laughs> but uh, something interesting I think is that you guys really popularized the, the that Levon Helm song, Hurricane, and there's like a lot of bands doing that now, like, and they're doing like y'all's version of it. Have you guys noticed that? Like the, I've, I've heard it. On the radio once or twice, yeah. Of uh, other bands, I'm actually not even sure who they are, but uh, I've heard other bands doing it and doing the arrangement. Yeah, that, that we did. Um, yeah. Is it is it kind of strange, I like pushing a movement? In it's a way? cool, you know. It's a great song, um, and I've, you know, I think in their early '80s, it had you know people knew that song a little bit better, and then it kind of faded away. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's cool to kind of bring it, bring it back. Yeah. Um, now you guys are down in Austin, and Austin's always like I guess these last, I don't know, last even you could probably go back 30, 40 years, but Austin's changed probably more in the last 10, 15 years than has in any other decade really, right? A lot of gentrification, a lot of uh, even though still being called the live music capital of the world. I know there's a lot of people who are, uh, I guess, challenging that notion now. Like, what do you guys think about that? Like, what's the... Um, I don't know. I, I, the city is changing a lot. Uh, the culture of the city is changing a lot. It's getting more expensive. 
which makes it harder for artists to mm -hmm. be able to live within the city. So a lot of people are moving to the outskirts of town or to other cities. And so that's definitely changing the vibe. Um, you know, we're on the road so much. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not as involved in the scene as I used to be because we travel so much. And, um, you know, I have kids. And so like when I'm home, I'm kind of a homebody, but mm -hmm. I, I still go out and see shows and uh, there's still a ton of live music yeah. and there's stuff to do every night of the week. Um, but it's just, I don't know, it, it maybe less of a tight knit community than it used to be. Um, and I think everyone's just working harder and struggling, you know, just because it's so expensive and you got to really hustle to be able to afford to live there or you just move out to Dripping Springs or to Buda or you know, you, you move to the outskirts. We're doing that town. after. Hmm? We're going to do that after. No. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, a lot of my friends are always saying, like, why don't you move down to Austin and do this there? And I'm just like, uh, it's a lot cheaper in Lubbock is why. Yeah, I well, mean, you don't really need to be there. I think, I think, and to echo Gordy's point, I think there's still a ton of music there. Mm -hmm. I think maybe the scene has become a little more diffuse, you know? The whole, like, I think when people think of Austin, it... You know, there's a certain connotation of the style of music and the vibe that came out of there. You know, whether it be the outlaw country thing you're talking about, or like yeah. the really strong singer-songwriter thing that people identify with Texas and specifically Austin. Um, but you know, there's just a, there's a more diverse music scene, and I think just the vibe of, in which people have to hustle is different. Like to echo the point of like it becoming more expensive. It was like Austin used to be the kind of town where you show up, hang out, smoke a J, meet some people, write some songs, play a couple shows hang out, whatever. And now it's sort of, it's a bigger city. Like when people come, they have to like, kind of have to hit the ground running. You know, you don't have a lot of time to sort of just, you know, fuck around, which is kind of like in a lot of ways is what you need to be able to make great music and great art. You need time and you need the space to, to make mistakes mm -hmm. and to sort of mess around with it, you know? You used to be able, when we first moved to town, I feel like you could, you could play, you know, three or four nights a week in town in different projects and maybe on the weekend go out and tour, you know, around Texas, and you could pay your bills doing that. Yeah. Um, and now I just think that you got to have a day job. I think I think it's just harder to be able to afford if you're going to live within the city. And um, there still is, you know, the writing and the lots of joints, but uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of a becoming a software town, you know, in some ways. Like the the software yeah. culture is definitely a big part of the city's identity now and you know i try not to be bitter about it um you know i wish you know i wish music would remain a big part of that and i hope i'm hopeful that it will mm -hmm. the city's actually trying to do a lot to to keep venues open and and keep uh supporting the arts yeah um but yeah it's just it's different, but it's always, you know, the people in the 90s were complaining that it wasn't what it was like in the 70s, yeah. you know, so yeah. it's always, uh, it's always changing, I, and I think every city's always evolving and changing, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, I can see there being problems and everything like that, but also at the end of the day, it's probably one of the most progressive cities when it comes to the arts in the nation, you know, so, you know, it's still probably, uh, better off than a whole lot of other yeah, even I mean, just I, towns in texas I, uh, there's there's no place i'd rather live you know I, I love living there even though it's different you know mm -hmm. it's it's still a cool city and uh, hopefully 
hopefully I can afford to stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 